to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Thank you for subscribing. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. This is the main app. Thank so, you. Yum, yum. Thank you. You should. Please subscribe, but please and thank mm, you. Gang, gang. Yum, yum. Because not everyone listening is necessarily mm. subscribed. Podcast, podcast. It's very important that you subscribe rate, rate. to us. You can get more of this. Isn't that what you want? This is, isn't this so good? Isn't this? that what you want? There's Hello. more ASMR back there than there is up front. All right. I've said <laughs> enough. <laughs> Uh, what's up, Pod Damn America? I'm Jake. That's Anders. Anders Lee here. That's Alex. Gang, gang. Yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, first order of business. We have to talk about this. Something happened. This is, I'm reading from page six. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. press dinner explodes in war of words and farting. Jake has like a newspaper cracked open on his lap. I'm reading page six. Right. He's got oh, the Brooklyn he's Rail. on the stool. Yet again. Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn Rail is rebranding with their own page six of gossip. What kind of newspaper is page six? That's the New York Post. Really? Right? It's the sixth page of the New York Post. It's like their highest level of smut. I think. That's their Patreon. That's their nasty shit. Yeah. Uh, well, here is the high level of... Uh, here's the, the Behold the standard of their reporting. And behold! Editorialism. <laughs> this is how this article starts. Camelot, it ain't. <laughs> That's a great lead. <laughs> Page six regrets to report that a press dinner to boost... Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s presidential campaign descended into a foul bout of screaming and polemic farting Tuesday night. Real polemic quick. farting. Real quick, I bet the editor had to cross out camel not. Yeah, camel not, camel less. <laughs> I bet there was a whole brainstorm about that. I'm glad that you brought that up. The White House hopeful attended the affair at Tony's on the Upper East Side, no doubt hoping to impress on the ladies and gentlemen of the Fourth Estate his worthiness to sit at the very same Oval Office desk once occupied by his late uncle. But a shouting match over climate change broke out between two boisterous old men sending the <laughs> evening down an extremely unfortunate path. I do this all the time. The gaseous exchange to which page six bore reluctant witness <laughs> began after a guest asked Kennedy, founder of the ecological organization Waterkeeper Alliance, about the environment. And it seems that the mere inquiry was enough to set off apparently drunk gossip co columnist turned flack Doug Deckert, the host of the event, who, be who became enraged and screamed at the top of his lungs, the climate hoax. Uh. <laughs> the, the New York Post of this is revealing itself paragraph by paragraph, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, octogenarian art critic Anthony Hayden Guest, who appeared to have been sleeping happily for most of the dinner, was roused by the abrupt rumpus. He suddenly opened his eyes and denounced his longtime pal Deckard, calling him a miserable blob. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's a, a fantastic burn. 
Shut up, implored Hayden Guest. <laughs> Counter. <laughs> hey, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Blob is very funny. Hayden Guest tells us he was not asleep. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> I was just thinking. <laughs> he told us and says he is the one who asked the question about the environment. Deckert continued to scream wildly about the climate change, quote, scam, while Hayden Guest peppered him with verbal volleys from across the table, calling him variously, quote, fucking insane and, quote, insignificant. The, I, this guy <laughs> rocks. All, all these people have pictures in this article, too, and you have to see them. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Jamie pulled that up. Jamie. Insignificant blob. I actually got this from Jamie. Here, it seems Deckert sensed the need for a new rhetorical tack and let rip a loud, prolonged fart while yelling as if to underscore his point. I'm farting. That's awesome. <laughs> that kind of undercuts the elegance it, of a fart. This is the guy arguing that climate change is real? Uh, no, Deckard, I think, is the anti-climate change okay, guy. Okay, because that would make so much more sense. It's like, this right. is what... He's changing the climate in the room. Right. Once either side lets loose a fart, that's now an arsenal that is allowed into the conflict, and so it's a dangerous move to do. Have you ever been able, able to fart on Will, like on command, yes. socially? Uh, I can see you putting to, a lot of time into this. Yeah, you kind of have to be uh, upside down or Interesting. Like have your legs wrapped like, you know, what's this? Like pretzel style and you suck in air and then... Oh, okay. I, you doll seam? What the fuck's... <laughs> you how? wrap your legs pretzel style <laughs> and that shoots the air. That sounds like you, a yoga or You move. do like a... Yeah, yoga. I can't even describe what I what I used to do as a 13-year-old, but you yeah, you put your... <laughs> Legs back uh, by your head, and then you relax. This moves single-handedly had Anders move to a new school. <laughs> <laughs> I just, this brought up like an old insecurity of being a child and seeing other boys able to fart at will and being like, how are they doing that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to do if you're not uh, lying down, but I could, I can still burp on command. Yeah, some of us I are can't really different. do that, the fart thing anymore. It's It ended up not being very good. It sounds like a dangerous game. Yeah, especially would not recommend it. The most dangerous game. Don't try it at home, kids. But uh, burp, I can... <laughs> I, can I, do that. I don't, don't like that. We're going to lose lost like 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> people hate when we do that shit. Some people love it. That's yeah. true. We just gained 50 bucks you from the... 50 they cancel each other out like two farts in the same New York Post <laughs> dinner room. Uh, the room, which included a handful of journalists, as well as Kennedy's campaign manager, former represent representative Dennis Kucinich. Did you know that? Yep. Dennis Kucinich. Was stunned. Dan How Cooch. far the mighty have fallen? Seemingly unsure about whether Deckert was farting at Hayden Guest personally or at the very notion of global warming. <laughs> <laughs> Regrettably, we may assure readers that there was no room for doubt that the climate changed in the immediate environs of the dinner table. Mm. That's good it's writing. It's so sad to see. He was so close just a mere year ago Danny to Cooch. being mayor of Cleveland again. <laughs> like, and now he's just, you, he's visibly uncomfortable for, I mean, he's been on kind of a kook train for a while. He's been in and out of kook world. He's probably been on one because aliens are real and he's an alien guy. But he saw a UFO. That's one of my, the least successful rock and roll follow-up songs. Kooky train. <laughs> Won't you go join my kooky train? Yeah, that sucks. Uh, the candidate maintained a steady composure in the face of the crisis. 
Former Page Six reporter Flo Anthony attempted to change the subject, telling Kennedy how much she admired his father, the tragic Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy. Man, it's got to suck to hear that when you're 70 years old. You're just like, I have a whole life. A- <laughs> I'm talking about my dad all the time. <laughs> There's a picture of him very stone-faced, and it's a, the caption is, Kennedy remained composed throughout the screams and farts. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Sadly, and somewhat inexplicably, another guest brought things back to climate change, leading to another round of yelling. We're told Deckard and Hayden Guest have known each other for three decades. When asked to comment about his or... Er, outbursts the next day Deckard told us I apologize for using my flatulence as a medium of public commentary in your presence <laughs> what a sentence this is oh hello level shit <laughs> this is just like old New York queens yelling at each other he also asked us to refer to him as either a quote gallivanting boulevardier or a quote beer fueled sex rocket <laughs> <laughs> We've done page six declines to use these terms. (laughs) No, they didn't because the next paragraph goes like this. But the beer fueled sex rocket who picked up the tab for the evening as its host was unapologetic about his views, telling us that he has, quote, zero tolerance for the climate hoax scam nonsense in any value that I am personally funding. Um, what? In case anybody's worried about like who's funding the RFK campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's what he's saying. He's had a color history, uh, colorful history of sparring, sometimes rather literally with the press and more specifically with page six reporters. <laughs> Britt Hayden Guest, who has written for the Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and penned books like Studio 54, Discourse in the Culture, Disco in the Culture of the Night, tells us, I've known Doug for many years. We had a few spats before this and that. We are not quite the same politically, but that doesn't affect relationships in the UK. But I thought this was pretty ridiculous. Hayden Guest looks like uh, Dracula's apprentice. It's insane. (laughs) They're so (laughs) weird looking. (laughs) He continued, Doug said it was a hoax and a scam. A scam for who? Who's benefiting? That's not a political thing. It's human existence thing. Hayden Guest says fighting in public is very unusual for him. but But when it is preposterous and... It's a life or death issue with the planet. To treat it as a zany political thing is foolish. During the verbal battle, Hayden Guest had told Deckard, I am done with you. <laughs> By the next day, though, <laughs> the stink seemed to have dissipated. I didn't mean it, Hayden Guest said. I'm sure we will talk again. Come on, guys. Let's make the next president of the United States. <laughs> let's get out there and also probably kill Joe Biden. That's the top of our agenda. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting this guy's running for Democratic candidate. So it does really rely on Joe Biden suddenly dying. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that he's doing that because he's like hanging out with like Steve Bannon and yeah. just everyone. Yeah, this is the same week that he had a viral clip from Jordan Peterson's podcast where they're talking about climate change and RFK basically says that it's going to be used as a pretext for all this uh, authoritarianism, um, which, like, in my opinion, all the things that need to be done to mitigate climate change are going to be are arguably authoritarian. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm going to call it that. We uh, die otherwise. Right. And that's <laughs> and that's the thing why his position, RFK's position on climate change is so wacky because it's never like, maybe not never, but it, uh, rarely do I see him like talking about it as like a civilizational, like, like I mean, he does a little bit, but it's, it's not the same as like we need to transition the entire economy into a carbon neutral system or, you know, that we're going to go ex- extinct and this needs to be like a holistic process that gets everyone involved and goes through the working class and is by and for the working class. Instead, it's like, 
it's not this holistic thing. It's more like, well, this one bird that used to be uh, more, you know, used to fly better is having trouble flying now. Yeah. Not that I don't care about the bird, but it's also then like climate change, the, the pollution in the environment is making uh, little boys now uh, experiment with flatulation in uh, unhealthy ways or it, stuff like that. It's all these like weird little anecdotes. Yeah. People ask where the autism came from. <laughs> it's all these so weird little like... Carbon in the atmosphere. It, these weird little like anecdotes instead of just a giant uh, problem that needs to be addressed and the way to would do that is not what he says true free market capitalism that's what he said in the Rogan in the uh, Peterson clip where he's like we need to like, take away the subsidies which good I agree with and then just have these companies actually compete which Finally. is just not gonna work yeah th- this is what always sticks in my craw about these like boomer market solution uh, uh, environmentalist people like the John Kerry's of the world is if you feel so passionately about this Aren't you kind of like, don't, don't you think we're on the right track already? Like, that's who's, that's what we're doing now. Right. It's, I mean, John Kerry is the climate czar, and he is uh, letting the companies figure it out. Like, it's already, the plan is in motion. Right. If We've that's what you think this. does it, I guess just chill out. That's yeah. a really good point. Because it's not. There's it's, nothing to feel passionate about. You're, according to you, this is the way to fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Very sad. To, oh, yeah. Check out our bonus episode where we talk about carbon capture, which is um, can be utilized as one of these like wonky little marketized fixes. But as we there was a guy at the RFK fundraiser doing carbon capture in the room <laughs> after he Deckert farted, yeah. sucking up as much air as yeah. possible with his yeah, mouth. Jar. Um, I know that methane is in human gas, but is that. That's probably not great for the environment, but it uh, it's to be. also it's also a greenhouse gas, and that's the big thing with cows is they yeah. be shitting and farting so yeah. much, and it's like, oh damn. So when I fart, am I contributing to climate change? Yeah, I, that's yeah, why a little you bit. should not fart. Okay. And that's why you should not fart. <laughs> I mean, you're contributing to climate change by uh, sucking in oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide. I mean, you just we're all doing it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real mind fuck. But you know what else is a mindfuck? Our second topic that I forgot what it was. The Screen Actors Guild. That's what it was. Hyphen after. Totally a mindfuck. It's a mindfuck over there. <laughs> you know who else be farting? Yeah. <laughs> Actors. Oh, uh, I've not seen them. While the camera's running, usually. They wait until the cameras are off to fart. Yeah. SAG has joined the WGA in striking, which is cool. Yeah. It's also scary because it means the shit's not going well. I saw something really disturbing with uh, regards to the SAG strike the other day, which is that apparently something that they're planning on trying to do, the studios, is hire, like, instead of hiring extras now, if you're an extra, they hire you for one day of work. Yes. Scan your body yeah. so that they can use it forever just Ooh. as like a CGI background Anders in every oh, yeah. episode that's of what whatever. I do that's want what one this of those. Is prepare for this. This is <laughs> Oh show. my god, is that you behind Ice T? Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> wait, I pulled this up today. This is I was <laughs> check out my work. Uh that's really you behind Ice T? Yep. That's yeah. you? That's not a hologram of you? Why are I, you wincing like that? I was getting in the character, I was uh, at a gaming convention. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this guy was at a really hard level, and I was you know, just invested in his his journey. I see his character saying stuff like, I'm trying to focus, but this guy behind me is making crazy faces. <laughs> um, playing solitaire and shit. It, 
Yeah. I mean, and also check out my work on this season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't know what episode it's going to be on, but it's a... She's CGI now. <laughs> Andrews is playing the first video game. In a- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it is torturous. To, not torturous, but it is very, very difficult. Not difficult either. It's just monotonous. It sucks to do background work because you're there for like upwards of 10 hours often and you do meet a lot the of craziest standing. people in the entire world i think that's that has value yeah <laughs> <laughs> there is that uh but it's it's yeah it's like being cattle and you you know have to Farting stand like around right <laughs> um it's soul sucking uh so if they were able to do this where you only have to do it once and then you get paid every time they use you that would be kind of cool but of course, that's not what's yeah, being proposed. Yeah, that second part I right. think is not on the table. Yeah, that's it's the just point. right. It's just one and done, and then the whole you don't have any more work. That's how I feel about all tech stuff, which is why kind of with like the AI stuff, I don't really agree entirely with the like AI. Like fuck AI, it will not replace us. Shit, it's a tool. I think the point is like not the not to abolish the tools themselves. It's to make them work for us rather than mm. against us because of the basic contradictions of capitalism. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I want that. I want to be able to get my body scanned and then get a fucking royalty check every time I'm in an episode or whatever. Right. To, that, as a liberated citizen, to be able to deploy your own hologram Anders at home for your personal uses. He's so cool. <laughs> Wearing his little maid outfit. Yeah. I am <laughs> skeptical of like how well that would work, though. It would probably look kind of bad it sounds like it would look like shit yeah. but i mean like a hundred years or something yeah, isn't yeah. there yet i yeah. mean but like with how fast ai kind of rolled out I, you know i could see myself like get, uh saying that now and then like in a few years being like holy shit it mm. looks just like people you yeah know? wow andrews is really at the in the background of this scene <laughs> it's all <laughs> anders he's the only person they scanned wow all of the avengers are anders now <laughs> how did it come to this um did you guys read that uh that snippet from the uh, interview with the producers guild that they're essentially waiting until the writers all lose their homes. Yeah. <laughs> just like openly in negotiations. They're just like, I think we can wait you out because you're all broke uh, bitches and it's <laughs> sad. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, which the popular reply is we're always broke. Yeah. I mean, that's actually like the funny <laughs> thing about it. I sell like, my feet for money online. Every fucking TV writer is like, it's not a lucrative job anymore. The, you know, it's they've already gutted it to where it's like a freelance thing. Everyone loses their parents already. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, what do you? It's not gonna work. Um, very interesting though. That was kind of what I was worried about when the strike set off. Um, but as you know, uh, the actors fall in line. The writers are on strike. Uh, pretty much everyone but the directors is out of the out of the programming now. You do have to wonder. Like, it's it's it has the feel of if this had more momentum we'd be moving as a as a society towards a general strike mm-hmm. but be, due to the nature of uh you know hollywood unions being like the last quote unquote good unions that work in america uh like you're going to reach the edge of that uh island and then be unable to transfer over to other uh fields but there's that ups strike that's going off right now as well yeah, yeah, we talked to Alexander from Minion Death Cold about it. Right, that's set to start uh, August 1st, and uh, there's practice pickets already going on here in New York City, and I'm sure in other places around the country. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hot labor summer, they're calling it. It's a hot labor summer. Do you know that's the name of an insane reply guy of mine? Really? Yeah, he's a good weirdo. It's like a whole campaign I mean, it, right it, now. Yeah, it's... Uh, but also, it's just really hot in general. <laughs> it's ungodly hot. I think that contributes to it, especially with the UPS workers. Like well, you know who else is ungodly hot? Did you know that the president of SAG, uh-huh. as of 2021, is Fran Drescher, yep. the nanny? Knew and where you're going with this, a fucking yeah. smoke show. Yeah. And she, um, it's interesting because I remember a few months ago she she got some criticism because she you know I, I believe it was because they didn't go on strike earlier is that they uh, people wanted her to do that and and she even said in a speech that she feels like duped so she's being kind of uh, you know radicalized in real time perhaps uh, yeah she, I was reading her Wikipedia page and you could tell you know that she's. Uh on a trajectory, but she self-identifies as an anti-capitalist, which is pretty cool. Um, she's also, I think, maybe a Zionist, which isn't great. Yeah, she's also said that she's like, uh, she thinks vaccines are good, but is against mandating them. So You generally don't want to like get too <laughs> politically attached to actors as like <laughs> the key to your politics. It's probably, you know, unreliable. Well, she is a union president at this point. I, you know what I didn't realize, though, is she was a co- not only the star of the nanny, a co-creator uh-huh. as well. With her husband. She's the yeah. one who came up with the idea for nannies. <laughs> Somebody's got to watch these kids. You know what's all the fake go voice? She's actually from Seattle and uh, talks... Really? No, I'm just kidding. No, you um, almost broke my heart. <laughs> oh, no, God. homie. Uh, but no, she's she, annoying. She's, she's annoying like that. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> she's calling out Bob Iger, though, uh, of the uh, AMPTP. Uh, I never get this right. I know. I had to... It's a real mouthful. Right. I think that's part of their me- method, is they have a confusing name to trip people up. But that's Disney, Netflix, Amazon, other studios. Uh, and the, the fucking Bob Iger that today was giving an interview, and he's like... They're, these actors, they just got unrealistic demands. Um, the COVID pandemic, that's, we're still not recovered from that. And uh, they have to just uh, cool their jets and take what we can offer, which isn't much. He's making tens of millions of dollars a year. And, uh, you know, the pandemic isn't, wasn't the main takeaway. Like, the one uh, industry that benefits is, like, streamers and yeah. entertainment. Also, it benefited all the other industries it shouldn't have benefited, uh-huh. like UPS and shit like that. Everything, well, I don't know, she, yeah, is not an example, but, like, uh, take any any industry that supposedly should have, you know, suffered. Crumbled. Uh, they all had record profits. Yeah. So, like, that's fucking bullshit. Right. Interestingly, the last time SAG went on strike was 1960. Guess who was the president of, that, of SAG at that point? Ronald Reagan. Bob Hope. Ronald Reagan. Ah, oh. I get it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I listened. I actually host a politics podcast in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it's been obviously not someone with uh, left-wing politics, although he was a FDR guy, I think, before that. God damn, is he a goodness suit. (laughs) (laughs) And a polo shirt. You know he wore polo shirts because he had a tiny head. Ah. Um, Well, you know who gave great head? I was also thinking the same thing. His wife. It's weird that whenever I think of Ronald Reagan, I feel like I have to make an announcement like, and his wife was sucking <laughs> off the whole town. <laughs> like, that's the news. <laughs> like People have to know that. Yeah. 60 years ago, you could get that toppy from the Ronald sloppy. Right. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, one one thing I liked is that Fran Drescher is talking about this in uh, broad terms as well, that she's like talking about we stand by other unions and even pointed out that just Americans in general, most of us don't have just like 500 bucks in our bank account for an emergency. Like this is a... A, not just a narrow sectoral issue. It's this is part of the fight against inequality. It's like there's classes of us, and they're at war, right? Um, and yeah, people are pointing out, oh, she's a millionaire. What is she doing complaining? Um, but like, if you compare the amount of money she has to the companies who she makes money for, it's just like a huge disparity. Uh, this has got to be interesting from a uh, culture war perspective because whenever you uh, you know you listen to uh, reactionaries, right wingers, uh, their whole concept of the basis of the rot at our society are these millionaire actors who spread being gay to their kids. And uh, here in in these negotiations, the actors, even though they are rich, are still being exploited by the companies, and that's probably like a whole. Uh, <laughs> Square that's like hard to what's the expression? Circle, Circle. that's hard to square. Yeah, <laughs> for them, it's a contradiction. She, if I, I think that she should appeal to right wingers in that she made a million dollars as a nanny. That's just by true. Working hard, bought her own house, <laughs> put a down payment on her house with Mr. Sheffield or whatever. She was right. sweeping the basement at the bottom of the building. Yeah, uh, it's weird. I mean, it's there. People, the entertainment industry has, like has this kind of sub genre this micro class of people that are like their own thing and are can be weird and frustrating in a lot of ways or whatever but it is good that like when the fucking when it comes right down to it you know in the, the roberts road or whatever like there's a still kind of these old labor systems in place for you know for doing the right thing here and like yeah she's a millionaire a lot of these people are millionaires it's good that they don't identify with their bosses mm -hmm. and that there's still enough of the system working against them and enough, you yeah. know, just brain cells in their head for them to go. The right thing here to do is to identify with everyone who is exploited by the studios along with us. The right. people who actually make the movies. Looking at you, Tom Hanks, <laughs> you sell out piece of shit. And part of it is, you know, like there's commendable people, of course, who are, you know, didn't forget where they came from. But part of it is too, uh, as Alex alluded to, like these, these unions, WGA and SAG, are still not perfect by any stretch, but still powerful enough to there are serious repercussions if you don't respect the picket line. Uh, even for huge stars. Ilya Kazan, you know, slightly different situation, but he ratted out people uh, during the Red Scare and uh, that had repercussions for the rest of his career and a similar thing would happen if, you know, uh, Margot Robbie or Robbie or some of these other actors, you know, the Oppenheimer premiere, a couple actors walked out. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, it's cool that they did that and they deserve kudos, but like, if they didn't, they, they would also get in trouble with their union because it still has... That's what it's there for, folks. Right. No, it's worth reiterating, although it's despicable that these, you know, streaming service companies and stuff are essentially willing to wait out um, the workers, uh, wait for them to run out of money, use leverage their uh, economy against them. That is also like the move, like strategically, that's the situation. That's why they feel OK going into the strike is the power imbalance is so high uh, going in between the owners and the workers that uh, you I, they have like a decent shot of being able to wait us out. It's a mm. it's a 
real moment of a conflict we're in. I'm, I'm eager to see if we win it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like it's going to take a long time. Um, and also worth reiterating that it, you know, the faces of these strikes are often quite famous, but 87% in Rich, but 87% of sag after members don't even have health insurance because they can't qualify for it under current rules you have to make 26 grand a Maybe year like 24 grand or yeah. something yeah i saw that that's um, a bummer man right but one thing i do think the fact that these are uh public facing struggles um i think hopefully will have ripple effects into the broader society because uh, a lot of people just have no lived experience with strike activity with unions um and this whole labor struggle uh there was a TikTok that went viral. Um, it's one of those TikToks that goes viral mostly on Twitter. Um, it's kind of these two worlds colliding, and it's like, what the hell's going on over there? Uh, and this young woman um, was doing a day in the life video, and she's like, here's a day in the life of a strike nurse. And she's getting flown in to some city uh, where they have, like, a, they have. You At know, home, you're asking, what is a strike nurse? Well, a scab. <laughs> you may have a different it. term for it at home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want my nurse to be a scab. I want my nurse to heal my scab. <laughs> uh, hopefully, someone will heal her uh, intellectually because she doesn't seem to grasp what's going on. Like, she gets flown in and she's like, oh, I've, this is on my, have been on my bucket list. I've always wanted to be a strike nurse and work a strike. Because um, she's a travel nurse generally, but she, she got this opportunity what to... What the fuck? I've always wanted to break a strike. Yeah. I've always wanted to meet Scabby. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets flown in and uh, gets put up at a hotel and they have this like you know, cars bring you to the secret training and then you get, you know, uh, wheeled into the hospital in like a sort of secretive way. Um, yeah, they and put she, you in a guitar case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Goofy in the Goofy movie. <laughs> but they they just cover you in casts. So you, um, <laughs> But this is, you know, she gets criticized for this. People call her a scab. And uh, some very, like, not personal criticism at all. Just like, you're undermining what nurses are trying to do. Um, so she posts a follow-up video where she's like, I've never encountered so much hate in my life. <laughs> Nurses are professionals and I feel like I'm being persecuted. And, and I uh, go to work to heal. Right. And she's I like, I don't want to add heal. any negativity by, you know, calling specific people out. I just want to say, I really hope you uh, do some self-care. You know, we're all human. And when you yell at me and call me a scab, it makes me feel like a wound. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... <laughs> As I said, scabs have always been mopey like this. Right. It's one that they're so pathetic. But they the, get yelled at and they get sad about it. There are some cases where it's like they're genuinely just in dire poverty and almost have no choice. But in her case, for strike nurses, you get paid a shitload. You get paid than the normal nurse rates. Uh, they're getting paid more money to come in and, and help break the strike. Um, and a lot of this criticism, she's just like, I saw she was like liking comments that were like oh well you're going on strike at a hospital what if someone has to is dying um hey genius <laughs> they have a 10-day window where after they declare the strike for the hospital to plan for that and there are you know there's more than one hospital out there so they can divert patients and prepare also it's um, like no one thought of that yeah <laughs> oh, i guess Do you think we, we just invented hospitals <laughs> <laughs> um but the my general takeaway from this is like this is a person who just has not 
considered what a strike it's just like a thing that happens this is just like a a hazard or something it's just completely external to you this is going on there's you know she can't consider why it's happening what side i don't think she's necessarily on management's side it's just like this is an opportunity and she just has not thought about this stuff and i think that's the case for a lot of americans like class consciousness is so low that people are not of course. Considering these things. Hustle mindset. Yeah. When everyone um, is on strike, that raises the uh, the uh, uh, premium of your work exactly. even more. You know, you're, you're, uh, you had a strike while the iron's hot here. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, hopefully. No these... Who else is hot? The nanny. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I hopefully the nanny will raise consciousness and uh, UPS. I think all this public stuff uh, happening while there's, you know, a lot of hospital strikes as well. Um, as you were saying, I really it would be cool if this started to cohere into one big movement, maybe one big union, if you will. Um, Behind Robert Kennedy. <laughs> the face of the American left. Yeah. But we'll see. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good time to, to be a labor. I mean, again, strike activity, as we've pointed out on the show, is still like lower than it was in like the 80s. But... Um, that could change, and I think there's some some good signs out there. The fact yeah, that this very... is all happening in spite of all the shit Reagan put up, like it is illegal to have a solidarity strike. That's a huge impediment to getting anything off of the ground. Yeah, yeah. But more and more people are realizing, especially after like 2018 and the teacher strikes, uh, if they say something's illegal, you can just if there's enough people breaking the law, then the you law can just do it. Yeah. You can just do that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being a pussy. Yeah, they can't jail us all. You know, yeah. which they tried to in Minnesota in the 30s. Um, they were they were farmers who were fighting for like a farm holiday and to farm foreclosures. And uh, the sheriff in one of these counties was instructed to arrest all of them. And there's just too many people. And they're like, we're not going to do it. And then it ended up retroactively being codified into law that there's a farm foreclosure uh, moratorium. Yeah, that's funny. It's always funny when that happens. They don't actually have enough jail space. That happened in 2020 when they arrested everybody. Right. I got arrested. They just like were like, okay, you can go. There's too much paperwork. <laughs> it's not worth the fascism. Yeah. That's a shame. Well, you know what was maybe worth all the fascism was <laughs> conquering much of Europe in the 19th century. Oh, it's Bastille yeah. Day, y'all. Bastille. Oh. You would call, this is an interesting note to begin on, you would call the French... Um, Empire fascist? Um, I think, you know, it's a, it's proto-fascist, right? It's pre-fascist, okay. but I think it's a good example of, uh, you know, early imperialism, and it's mm. definitely pretty um, formative into a lot of the things that we poo-poo about today. Like, if you have problems, you know, with every English museum uh, raping Africa, uh, you probably won't enjoy the things the French Empire did. But <laughs> there is a hot new movie on its way to the silver screen talking about the entertainment of today we're getting a napoleon movie jake <laughs> yeah i've seen it napoleon dynamite it came yeah. out when i was in high school that's right napoleon this is this is the napoleon classical this is the one uh you know uh from the 80s we would reference him in our hit bill and ted adventures um that napoleon uh he's kind of a big figure with teens today a lot of young men want to be napoleon they want to wear the hat <laughs> they want to uh be short kings short kings are making a comeback yeah he was short but he was not a king he was the short he's the first short guy to not be a king, short yeah. king kind of yeah he was uh instead the uh 
what was it? The console of France. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a different thing. But uh, with this announcement of this movie, played by Joaquin Phoenix, I'll really? watch pretty much anything with Joaquin Phoenix oh in it. Oh, my God. It. The Joker is going to be Napoleon. Yeah. what if, And Napoleon is kind of like the logical precursor to the Joker in many ways because he was kind of sick and twisted for Republican values. Yeah. Totally. He was a very much uh, an order type of guy. Yes. Uh, the opposite of the Joker. Um, so... I thought, uh, well, anyway, uh, the, the, they announced this movie. We're all watching the trailer. Joaquin Phoenix is like 50-something, and he's playing Napoleon, who's famously becomes like a general when he's like 25. So it is kind of like, why is Napoleon so fucking old? Uh, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I'm going to watch that shit. It's going to be very entertaining for me, uh, even if it's bad, just because it looks like it has cool set pieces. Uh, but we were all talking about this thing earlier this week, and it got out that Napoleon... He might be a bad guy. Did you see that tweet or really? some, some history? He may have dangerous precedent it's to like, appreciate Napoleon. Don't make a film about Napoleon. He was actually really bad. <laughs> Our young men are going to start aping Napoleon <laughs> and conquering Austria. I, how dare you glorify Napoleon? <laughs> and so that did make me kind of think, you know, uh, not a lot of Americans know about this part of history. I think we could go through... Napoleon's achievements and accomplishments and ask ourselves, is Napoleon being based here? Mm. Or is he actually a dangerous Donald Trump? Is he Baca? But, uh, yeah, or is he Make a sussy Baca? <laughs> is Napoleon being sus here? <laughs> That's something we're going to ask ourselves. Real quick. So he has a lot of positives and negatives. Who's making this movie? Um, I don't know. Let's look that up. Because Jamie is a... Um, this was a... A, an unrealized project of Stanley Kubrick's to make a, an epic Napoleon film. Really? I mean, he's yeah. got a good life to make a movie about. He does a lot of shit. Right. Uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, it's going to be good, I think. Cool. Uh, also... Good action director. Yeah, and just Walking Phoenix just has like a... Uh, he's going to make it so Napoleon is like the Joker now, and so we can finally connect to him, and that's dangerous. Uh, so Young let, men are going to show up in <laughs> the movie theater dressed like Napoleon and shoot up the movie theater with... Oh, no. Like They're going to <laughs> use field artillery in a way that's unprecedented. Uh, okay, so I got, I got like a little list here of the things Napoleon does. Okay, so number one. So he sits in a chair like sideways. You guys seen this? What do you mean by that? Like, like in his like, paintings? Yeah, like in that painting. That's like really how he would sit sometimes. Like he moves. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to do it for you here. So like if so we were at a bar, I would be like, Yo, that's how I sit. I yeah. sit like that sometimes. He's like, on like a seat icon, arm draped, no blood flow going over here because he's just like, he's looking, it, it kind of looks like he's looking for strange a little bit. Yeah. Should have seen a chiropractor about that if you ask me. I am horny <laughs> and I'm tired. That's a very good point, Jake. <laughs> and um, I guess that would be the first thing I wanted to cover is just like, he kind of, he got the sauce a little bit. Like he kind of put in some stank on, on his everyday oh, wow. living. Cool. Mm. All right. And so, I don't know. Do you think it's do you think it's based to sit like that? I do. I think it's pretty cool. Um I sit I tend to sit like that. I have a, a posture issue based on I think the way I was born where I favor one shoulder and it's not <laughs> due to a series of fart-based <laughs> calisthenics I did yeah. as a child. I have to lean to one side. I uh I feel that it is uh, bad for posture, and in my case, I don't think it actually looks sexy. I think it just looks kind of odd the way I tend to sit that way. I'm kind of sitting that way now a bit, like I, I should be. Sitting yeah, you're like doing this. it right now. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm doing it because I, I was showing you, but right. I don't always sit like this. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being self-conscious, but I don't think it adds any kind of um, sexual enhancement to my appearance. So Andrews thinks it's sus and baka. And so and uh, I'm going to be the tiebreaker here. I think it's based. It is based. Do you want me to... Yeah, do you have a sound for that? Okay, so I made a couple of soundboard things for... I asked Jake for... to prepare a sound for our Napoleon segment. This is this is for when something French is based. It's... Um, it's Orson Welles. Uh, there's this. Well, let's listen. To it. <laughs> ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> they tried to. I guess this happened a lot, actually. Orson Welles did a bunch of commercials in like the '70s, but he was always drunk out of his mind on wine, <laughs> like before they even started rolling. And there, are, there's like all these great outtakes. But the most famous one is him trying to do this wine, and it's like he, he just every time he they go take one go action. He starts off the sentence by going, ah, like a <laughs> fucking drum roll. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of long for a sting, but I do like it. Yeah, um, I'll cut it off. Don't worry. I got, well, I got the hands over here. We got a bunch of these. Okay, so uh, you know, this is some basic stuff about Napoleon. Born in Corsica, so he's born on an island. Mm-hmm. He's an island boy. Uh, 1769. By the way, oh, they're gay. I'm sorry, but Whoa. did you see oh, this? The, way, the, the island boys, boys are, are kissing. I mean, they're kissing. I don't know if that means they're gay, but they were. there's a new video... <laughs> The island boys kissing. I, th- I think that might just be for attention. I'm not sure if that means they're gay. I have no idea. They, they have even more tattoos than the last time I saw them. They're so mysterious. There's almost no real estate left. <laughs> they're like 17 or whatever. They're anyway, just, good yeah. for them. And, and you know who else was an island boy? Napoleon. That's what I'm saying. He's, a, he's born in Corsica. He's an island boy. And the French Revolution happens and he's like... That rocks, and he joins the army, and he goes to a little army school when he's nine, and they put the little hat on him. Mm. Cute. And he Cute. never took that hat off. He never, and he never took that hat off. Uh, I had this saved up for later, but apparently the reason he wears that shit sideways is uh, formal officers would wear the hat forward to backward to look like a fancy, uh, I guess not like a moose, like a, like a, like a, like a long-headed... Uh, 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 something with a beak, I guess. But the younger, ju- the junior soldiers would wear it diagonal, like you do with a flat brim. Yeah. And so he would wear it sideways to be like solidarity with the young homies. Uh, the army's all about being 23. I never thought about that. He is wearing a hat sideways, and he's like, "What's up, y'all?" <laughs> he's oh. a huge target. <laughs> he's a massively why? wide. Um, it looks like you know, come to think of it, the Quaker Oats guy. It does look like the Quaker Oats guy who would never harm a fly. You know, I, I I just assumed his hat was like that, I think, because of the Quaker Oats guy, but he's actually wearing a hat that would normally be... You thought Napoleon's hat was sideways to copy the Quaker Oats guy? <laughs> no, I just thought they had a similar hat. Uh, it is similar. But it's he's wearing it in his own unique flair. He's way. wearing it like he's in Blink-182 but <laughs> at the time. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, he's popping it. It's That's, like frosted tips for hats. Mm. Do you get it now? I think so. Okay, anyway, so th- this point is that he's uh, an island boy, and he uh, rises to power really fast and during the revolution by firing on royalist insurgents with artillery, saving the French directory. And I got to tell you, I also think this is pretty based. Uh, the French directory is not very um, admirable. People don't look back very kindly on them. Uh, but at the same time, 
Uh, sometimes you got to fire on royalists, and that's the real thing he has going for him in all of these. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Rose up. Andrews, do you have any protestations? About the hat? About whether it is based to be an island boy who rises quickly to power. I think that part of it is cool. Hit the button. Ah, the French. All right, that's good. Uh, up next, he's five foot six, which actually isn't that short for like back then. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that's just like, like it's like nothing. a popular mythology is right. that he's crazy short, but he's actually like average height. Yeah, I wonder when that came about. Which historian was like, "Ooh, voila!" I think it was a contemporary thing. I'm not 100% sure. I read like half of a biography of Napoleon like three years ago, but I'm pretty sure there was like some kind of myth making that like, oh, you wouldn't think it because he's such a little guy. Right, because there's the term Napoleon complex, and I'm wondering where that... Yeah, because he's always mad as hell. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that he's... Well, I guess this would be neither then. Neither base nor Baca, but just short for today's standards. Just something to think about. I don't know. I think it's Baca to be uh, five foot six. Um, you gotta be taller or shorter than that. <laughs> That's how I feel. Oh wait, this is the this is you it. I think though? people thought he was short because he was so gaunt because he was like always unwell. Okay, because oh, thing going on. Yeah. I'm reading now that um, the Brits, when they were at war with him, would they are the ones who kind of uh, propagated that. He's got like a micro penis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the weird. enemy was like he's short. <laughs> yeah. He sucks. He, he routed us at Tulum, but he has a micro penis. <laughs> it. <laughs> Apparently, according to Wikipedia, there's some dispute over this. Some people say he was 5'10", which would have been huge back then. Other people say he's 5'7". Um, but it sounds like they just kind of, because, you know, it wasn't like they had common pictures that everybody could see just, like, floating about. So yeah. they probably just, perpetu- you know, propagated this myth yeah. to undermine his stature. Yeah, because I just heard about all the time. Yeah, Sick of hearing about Napoleon all the time. Yeah, I think it's Baca. It's Baca to not handle you. Disgusting. <laughs> what is this? That was from SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't know if that came through correctly. What was happening? I find you disgusting. <laughs> it's like a French man insulting Mr. Krabs. It's a French fish. Oh, <laughs> zut alors. Okay. It's like, I find you Disgusting. Disgusting. Okay, all right. Uh, I have Becomes a General at 24. I'm going to fold that under the one we already did, but that's crazy young. Um, breaks off his engagement to the future Queen of Sweden. So I, after he wins like a few battles and stuff, he uh, he keeps essentially like knocking royals off of their thrones and then just putting his fucking brothers and sisters on there, which is fucking dope as all hell. Uh, yeah, just bringing the whole crew up is like entourage, but for uh, being French. Um, anyway, so he's engaged to uh, this uh, woman and becomes the future qu- queen of Sweden. But then he uh, sees this young lass in the street who's the daughter of a plantation owner. Mm. More on that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, she was married to an aristocrat who got guillotined, and she's lined up to be murdered. But Rose Pierre dies right before, so she gets out. And he is just so cucked for her. And they marry nine months later. And I did not read much about this, but apparently this is like a famously embarrassing romance where Napoleon will like divert a whole army to go like ask his wife why she's being weird and like they live in this house that he doesn't like and all this shit and uh oh this is this is relevant um they marry nine months after they meet and they change the age certificate so people won't know she's six years older than him 
That's what? funny. Because that's an age gap relationship and that w- he would be canceled. <laughs> he would be canceled? She'd be canceled and then he would die for her. Because he loves her so fucking much. What it's, was the acceptable? It just... The, like, you couldn't be younger at uh, all. Was it sitting I think pretty it's close just, to home, dangerously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, the lesson is you have to lie and change it on the birth certificate so you or the wedding certificate so you look older. I'm just wondering what the custom was back then. Like you, if you're like any degree older than your uh, female partner, it's seen as an embarrassment. No, no you want to be older than the female. I right. Think. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We said it backwards. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's oh, older it, than him, yes, and I think that's embarrassing because right. of misogyny. But is it stuff. like even a month, a day, or it's like you know homie, after two years? It's homie. You do not want the Empress Consul of France to be older than the Emperor <laughs> of France. No, the Empress Consul has to divide her age by two and then add seven. <laughs> then it's okay. It, then it's time for. I swiping. mean, I guess this is still around today. I mean, like. You know, middle school and high school, people would say, some girls, I remember hearing say, like, I don't like dating guys unless they're older than me. Yeah. And they would go go down to, like, the the months. Like, you can't be, you know, like, even a month older. (laughs) Did that hurt you, Anders? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was always into older women, but we don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. (laughs) There's no time. Anders got the Napoleon of the show. That's the real Napoleon complex. Yeah. This is when you want to fuck a senior. And a look at the current head of state of France. Napoleon had milfs. His wife is like 30 or 40 years older than him. Sheesh. 30 or 40? It's upwards of 20. I think 20 to 30. God damn. Yeah. I mean, 20 is a lot. God yeah. Damn. 20 is a lot. Anyway, she, she has was a, his teacher. She has a bunch was of kids she with Al Pacino. <laughs> 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 She's a drama teacher. <laughs> I'm going to finish this little point about okay. the I honestly maybe did too many notes. All right, so... <laughs> uh, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. We got time. Yeah. All right, so uh, she had all these kids with her former husband and then, like, none with him. So his mother hated her so much, she essentially, like, made him divorce her. Wow. Because he was, she was not giving him babies, and uh, she fucking sucks. Wow. And Napoleon's mother was right. To not trust her. Okay, but you should divorce your wife because your mom tells you. That's pretty. That's, Maybe that your mom is out. right about some things, and your heart is wrong. Uh, it's sus. Okay, yeah, I do think this whole thing where he's uh, marries her is kind of sus, honestly. And it's also like the part where it's like he's kind of cringe a little bit here. Um, I'll, I'll package this together. He wrote a lot of uh, love letters, and then a secret romance novel that has been critically panned since it has been dug up. I find you disgusting. I just, I just think it's interesting compared to Stalin, who had, who was apparently like the king of love letters and poems, and they found this shit, and he's like, he could have just done this. Yeah, he was so good at this. Yeah, uh, yeah, Napoleon pipe too. Yeah, instead Napoleon was like, I guess, just like the master of the battlefield, which sucks. Um... Okay, well, that part sucks, and, like, he's kind of uh, lame there, but uh, there's also this. Um, So he's a general for the French Revolution and um, just spends all of 1796 in the war with the Second Coalition handing the Austrians and Italians their asses for, like, years and uh, kicks all these royals off the thrones and announces republicanism to all the serfs and is like, guess what? You're a republic now. 
and huh. my sister rules here technically. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I could just make that up because I'm the general who's here and there is no government. And uh, uh the French. Yeah, that's is pretty freaking cool. Uh, this is the reason that people have a hard time condemning him is he uh, was really cool at some things and it was awesome. Um, love letters. We read that. Put brothers and sisters on the phone. Oh, he invented the Napoleonic Code. Do you guys like that? Uh, that's I complicated. I don't know if I know <laughs> what it is. Be short and pursue older women. Yeah, it's like pretty that. much. <laughs> by law, you gotta be going after that thing. Um, so you enter it in the when you're playing a video game. It's up, down, up, down. Yeah, you can see the whole map. Yeah, if you enter the Napoleonic Code. Um, yeah, he did some cool reforms. He made Jews citizens. Uh, women are still property. There's labor reforms, which was unheard of before. And again, like this was just essentially before that, everything was like medieval kingdom time. Yeah, so it was a big deal. Where like a lot of shit, like the post office, comes from and stuff. Just weird modern liberal crap. Yeah, he's just whipping shit. He's in the cooking. He's in the kitchen cooking it up. Mm. Is honestly what it is. Is he a good chef? Probably he probably never actually literally cooked any food in his entire life, but I think uh, the in terms of codes and battlefield tactics, he was always cooking it up. It's weird because you're like, well, a lot of the stuff is like backbone of liberal society shit that is annoying now, but the like unless you're like a fucking luddite primitivist or whatever, it's good that it exists because it's oh yeah, it was an advance over monarchy yeah. and yeah. feudalism, you know, and I think that's based. <laughs> It's pretty based, I guess. That's two out of three. Hit the button. Ah, the French. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so everyone really likes... Uh, so just like a brief history thing for Americans who don't have schools uh, that work. Uh, during the French Revolution, all of Europe is united by their royal ties, and every country in uh, the continent declares war on France for beheading their king. Um and that's what the coalitions are. And so people are big fans of when Napoleon beats beats the shit out of all the royals of the rest of Europe. It's pretty cool and defends the French Revolution, even when they're being like kind of a bit much and mm. a little bit extra. It's either them or like the Duchess of Denmark or whatever, and you don't want to be on their side. But then there's this other stuff he does. Okay, so uh, in... What year is this? I think 1798. I might not have that right. It's around then. He secretly takes the army to Egypt and Syria to like kind of quote unquote spread democracy America style. Wow. He tried to take over Egypt, right? Yeah, and he did successfully. <laughs> um, That's the. I think the fascinating thing about Napoleon is he is a liberal dictator. He's like, a, I mean, He's yeah, like Bar- he's, he's like Barack Obama. Is he a dictator? Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, okay. I, they, he yeah. crowns himself emperor of the French. I think it's fair to he's say. He's a dictator, like a authorita- <laughs> hardcore authoritarian who's spreading enlightenment ideas. He's the Mahdi, dude. Isn't that weird when you think about it? He's but the Mahdi. In retrospect, that seems kind of funny. It's, yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. It's cool. Like, is the early story, you're like, whoa, is this badass soldier coming up through the army? But he, he you know, it's like a. It's like kind of trite even to think about. It's like after a while he becomes a little bit overly high on his own supply, sure. lost in the sauce, and then a bunch of fucking shitty old white guys have to write books about it with metaphors about how absolute power corrupts absolutely. So 
I do. I do think this is interesting because it's like one of the earlier examples of like uh, modern imperialism. Is he's going to Europe to enlighten the savages, and he brings like he, with his army, he brings hundreds of artists and scientists so they can do like a drawing of a butterfly in Egypt and be like, no one has drawn this butterfly. This is for science. Yeah. Uh, they invent the hot air balloon down there. Nice. On this campaign, <laughs> that's where it came from. I, I guess they just like tried it out. Uh, I didn't write the guy's name down who did it. There was like a collabo where they're like new air balloon just dropped and they discovered the the UFO. (laughs) (laughs) Kinda. uh, And then uh, they discovered the Rosetta stone. So like there's all kinds of wacky shit popping off on this campaign. And he takes over a lot of Egypt and Syria and then essentially just like has to leave. at some point and like just packs up and goes uh, if i remember reading about this it was like kind of a wild strategic move and like it didn't work in a lot of the ways he thought it was going to and they kind of ran out of like resources and money and shit yeah and exactly getting attacked on a different front so people had to be like hey can you get the fuck out of egypt or whatever you're doing <laughs> in this game of civilization down there right i mean he wasn't france's only general so all of europe had declared war on france and then his move was to conquer africa and they were like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> uh and so he eventually has to leave and it's kind of a proxy war thing against the english as well because they're doing early imperialism here when is when he was in Syria, did he gas his own people? Um, did he ever get to the bottom of that? He did lots of other um, bad things. <laughs> He's like, I am farting. Pretty much <laughs> like he would bring an army through, and then anything they had going on before, he'd be like, I will shoot you with cannonballs until everyone is dead. Mm. Or you're a military base for France now. Um, so, yeah, it's tricky on whether this is based or Baca in that way. I think it is interesting, and yet, over time, admittedly, Baca. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying about, like, some of the rapid enlightenment stuff or whatever, but, like, it, it, you can't call imperialism and colonialism like this it based. based. It's you not. Can't. It disgusts me. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> what if What if all the kids are calling Napoleon-based? I find you disgusting. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad we all agree on that. Uh, okay. So he goes back to France. Okay. The directory is quite upset with him because <laughs> he took the whole army to Africa and didn't get anything out of it. Um, so what he does is he just overthrows them and says, I am the king of France. And uh, everyone's like, shit. Okay. And uh, this is kind of a relevant story to uh, lefties now, because I think when you get kind of blackpilled about the state of uh, modern politics, people do end up hoping for just kind of like a benevolent coup that puts Mm. your people in power. Yeah. Uh, And no one likes the French directory. They suck. So like Napoleon for a second doesn't seem so bad. Um, So overthrowing the French directory with a coup with the army Army coups in uh, 1799, is that based? Him doing a coup to the government? Yes. I thought I think that's based because, it, as they were saying, it was an improvement over uh, feudalism. Modern, <sighs> well, I mean, yeah. it's still the re- uh, revolution government, but it's like the shitty late one that no one likes. Okay. And are they kind of like... It's like super oh, unstable. And, okay, so yeah. that's kind of... But so that would be kind of a step back. Because that's the thing with Napoleon, you have to remember too, right? It's like he's pro-enlightenment, but he's also like, I got to take control of this Yeah, thing. he's an authoritarian. And especially his nephew. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I do think it's pretty cool, though, is the thing, to just decide that you're uh, the emperor of the French. What was their main disagreement? Their disagreement was that he took the army with him to Africa and wasted all their fucking money when okay. they're at war. <laughs> I think I got to side with them on this one. No, the French directory sucks. This is based. Ah, the French. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. All right, what about this? Uh, when he's like the emperor and shit, he would dress up in civilian clothes and kind of go around just ask people, what the, What do you think about Napoleon? <laughs> you think he's taller than, than it seems? That's what John Mayer does at his own shows. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much went John Mayer mode at uh, the French Republic. You know, I feel like that kind of that could be from just a deep insecurity. Uh, I, I agree with and that, and or <laughs> yeah. just a you know genius of uh, guiding the populace. So that's cringe, though. I gotta say, uh, I don't know. It it is cringe. It's very relatable, but yeah, no, you're right. It's cringe. Well, I guess I think it's kind of smart, but uh, if I'm outgunned here... He's, it's cringe. <laughs> Disgusting. Okay, this is the one people really get hung up on. Remember when I said he married the daughter of a plantation owner and was madly in love with her? Well, France is the only country to reinstate slavery after outlawing it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, wow. You should have said no backseat. <laughs> it was the one big advancement of the French Revolution, uh, debatably, and uh, it takes another 50 years to get rid of it, so that's pretty bad. Um, Haiti is fucked by this. Okay, that's what I was going to oh, ask. Delicate right. topic... But who were they enslaving? I, I know. Is it mostly definitely. the colonies? Okay. Yeah. Um, that's bad. Yeah. It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad that it almost is like you're not even allowed to say his hat's cool. And he makes kind of like an enlightenment <laughs> argument for reinstituting slavery. It's, I mean, I kind of get the impression, and I am not an expert, that he was kind of just like. Winging it. Sympathizing with his wife and her slave owner family. Ah. Oh, And just like they needed money and he was like, how bad is it at the end of the day to get money from <laughs> slavery? <laughs> this also like does, because Haiti shit is happening simultaneously alongside all this stuff. Correct. Right? So, man, you know, a couple of years ago, I listened to all revolutions and went through Haiti and French Revolution and I feel like there was like really specific geopolitical reasons for something like that happening. They needed the money to do all their wars. Yeah. But also, like, you didn't have to bring back slavery. (laughs) (laughs) There was no, nobody was making you bring back slavery. That's that's another interesting question. It was, it was not like an economic necessity. Like they tried to, you know, liberalize and then everything was collapsing and then they just had to do it out of necessity. It's not that, that's not the case. He just, had I'm the, sure that's what Napoleon of, would say, but right. in retrospect, it's like his wife was. We a, can't cut costs somewhere and not bring back slavery. <laughs> yeah, so there's a class of people who are a yes. distinct minority who you know want well, their slaves. Yeah, they're also fighting Toussaint Louverture. Yeah, right, and they, uh, I don't remember what happens if he does land an army over there and they all get sick and die, or he's like gonna, but then gets in the spat with the British. But it's like a whole thing to go fight a war down there when you're already in so many wars up here. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this one's bad. I'm going to go ahead and say I think it's not good. I'm going to say it's not it, Chief, to bring back <laughs> slavery for another 50 years. 
I don't think that's cool. I find you disgusting. I find you disgusting. Okay, next point. Did we like the hat? Did we see the hat was good? I like the hat. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that the hat is really... I mean, no matter what you think about... Oh, the French. I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> it's faster. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool to wear a hat like that. Okay, in 1805, France faces the War of the Third Coalition. So the Blue huh? Bloods decide we can get them this time. And they go back to France, and he kicks all of their asses, ending in the downfall of the Holy Roman Empire. Who are the That's Bloods? pretty cool. Uh, the, the, the aristocracy and oh, uh, okay. royalty of Europe. Oh, so they're like in exile, and then they come back. Well, they just keep sending armies to destroy France, and yeah. they can't do it because nice. he's too good at war. Nice. That's kind of cool. It's the third coalition. There's been two already. Damn. Um, okay. I'll package this with the next one. He then defeats the Fourth Coalition. Oh, my God. <laughs> in 1806 and 1807, marching the Grand Army into Eastern Europe and beating the Russians. That's right, the Russians. They're pretty far over there by this point. Wow. Uh, so he really wants to be Alexander the Great, which is why he went to Africa uh, in the first place. He's, like, uh, drunk on his own, uh, own supply here, or he's high on his own supply. Uh, and so he really wants to have all of Europe, which does lead to this... Next point here. Uh, there's a few more coalitions until he marches his army all the way into Russia in 1812 to conquer parts of Russia. And famously, it snows, and then his whole army dies. Oops. Which is like people talk about in jest. It's really crazy to think of like. 200,000 people dying in the snow yeah. <laughs> because you like looked at a map wrong <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the minute that happens, the European aristocracy conquers Paris, exiling him to an island of Elba, and they bring the Bourbons back. That's right, everyone. The Bourbon monarchy is back. Mm. So I think losing all your guys and then losing the revolution is um, that's that's sus and it's Baca. Okay. Um, the, around this time, though, the fact that things are not going well for him allows the Brits to engage in combat with the Americans in the War of 1812, which is one of my favorite wars. So in that sense, I think ultimately, though, they have to wind it down. But because it's like a different comes thing, back. though. That's like it's, it's I know this related. leads to that, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about all the people dying in Russia. I know, but. War of 1812, I think, arguably may not have happened without them dying. You love the War of 1812. I was going to say, how are we back on the War of 1812? It's it's not in the outline, Jake. (laughs) It's not in the outline. Uh, I think it sucks. And, uh, yeah, I find you disgusting. Thank you. It's disgusting to lose wars. Um, All right, so the bourbons are back. He escapes the island daringly in 1815, and all of Europe has to reunite against him again in a seventh coalition. (laughs) Uh, But then they do it that time, and they beat him at Waterloo. I don't really know a lot about that, honestly. It's like kind of like people could do a podcast about that just this part for like years, but uh, I'm like. It's crazy. Crossing the Rubicon on my balls. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. And they send him to a different island. And then he just, like, mysteriously dies there. Um, people think it's stomach cancer, but he just, like, he's 51, and he just, like, suddenly dies. And he apparently has a lot of arsenic in his blood. Also, apparently he had a vial of poison with him yes. during all these campaigns. 
and he had it around his neck and then just like never lost any of them. So he never took it. And so he finally takes it when he loses at Waterloo, <laughs> but it's like 20 years old. <laughs> so it just makes him really sick and he doesn't die. That sucks. Well, but he, would that also, sucks. he would also dose himself with tiny amounts of poison to build a resistance in his body. Uh, because he was getting poisoned by his enemies. Yeah, well, it kind of worked against him when he tried to poison himself later, though. <laughs> he tainted poison. There's fent in the poison. There's fent in the poison. It's <laughs> spread for awareness. <laughs> there's fent. There's fent in Europe. He built up a tolerance to poison. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I do that all the time with alcohol. Oh yeah. Um. So. I do. I think it's cool to escape an island. Also, there was a plan to rescue him with a submarine, which in 1815 cannot imagine what that would have looked like. It, it, it imploded. <laughs> they had a Game Boy controller. Yeah, they they don't want to talk about what happened with the submarine. The kids, the the submarine captain's stepson was at a um, Mozart concert. Who <laughs> 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 the fuck was playing this time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to beat Mozart. Uh, I don't know. I think it's cool to escape and have the Seventh Coalition come back to defeat you. I think that's pretty awesome, even if it's like frowned upon in history or whatever. I think it's cool. Lucky is that why seven is a lucky number? No. Okay. I think that's like the Bible and stuff. Oh. I mean, I'm not sure. I think it's cool to poison yourself on an island. I've been doing it all week. All of it's cool. <laughs> Hit the button. Ah, the French. Okay, and then you got to include this last part. Three to six million people died in all the <laughs> warring he was doing. But yeah, I don't know if you could blame him specifically for the war. I think that was happening either way. Well, yeah, would they have died anyway is the question. Would all the Africans have died is the question. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> that seemed like it was a specifically Napoleon move. And that's yeah. his bad. But uh, I do wonder what the... A what, complicated figure. Yeah, but they wouldn't have like paint by numbers though no they wouldn't they wouldn't have uh they wouldn't have all the hot air balloon culture so popular <laughs> in syria today yeah they wouldn't know how to fly a kite <laughs> i do wonder what things would be like because he's one of these figures that like really did change the course of history just being one dude um which we're supposed to think that doesn't happen as marxists but hey i think you gotta hand it to him so what, you gotta hand it to him i don't what think if world... it was a different guy the guy would have gone to fucking africa no don't hand it to him <laughs> it's dangerous <laughs> i do like wonder what the world would be like uh without um him you know if if the french revolution had continued and it's sort of there would probably be another strong man uh, but you have him, and then you have his nephew who comes back and kind of like sucks the air out of the Paris Commune. And yeah, yeah. From, from what I remember uh, from the revolutions show, I'm pretty sure the the revolution part was kind of burnt out by the time he overthrew his directory because okay. they have all these yeah. reactions and revolutions and reactions. Or, sorry, before folks jump on, it may not have been the it was a 48 revolution, then commune was later. Anyway, yeah, it's way later. Okay, yeah. slavery was re-ended by that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, commune was closer to the like turn of the century. Yeah, seventies. Like it was like eighties, like getting into the nineties. I think. Yeah, because mm. that's when all of the fucking uh, that's that's like that's what led to all the this shit with the. When we, uh, we talked about this when I talked about SBK. I'm obsessed with the fucking college that they uh, Nicole uh, something. 
You know what? Let's just move on. There's a guy who escaped the what was becoming the Paris Commune in a hot air balloon. In a hot air balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he like couldn't get back in. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> He's he tried to do it so he could like help, and then it was just like, how the fuck do you get back? <laughs> I think the moral of the story is if you're coming home from a long day at work and your kids are dressed up in bicorn hats and they're wearing them sideways to represent solidarity with the junior officers, tell them that it is not okay to bring slavery back <laughs> even to make your wife horny for you don't do it just say no just say no and that's the problem with age gap relationships sometimes there's power there's a power dynamic that one partner is forced by the other to bring back <laughs> slavery yeah that's right Andrews, what's I- your favorite part of older women i, th- I can't discuss that on. okay great <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Well, that they're smarter than me. They think they're smarter than Anders, and they are, not, smart. folks. Okay. They're not. No one's smarter than Anders. He's the king. That's how intelligence works. It's how old you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have more experience. I'm can... the eldest boy on this podcast. It's true. true. I'm also the dumbest guy on this podcast. So no. disprove him. Let's let's not get into that competition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does anybody have any shows coming up or anything? Uh, in. Uh, Chicago, August 4th, we will be doing paid protest, me and Kath Barbadoro. There's going to be some great comics, Harish Singh, Skylar Higley, and others. So if you are a delegate to the DSA convention, uh, you have been warned that the first night of the convention, we're going to be kicking things off with a ton of fun and comedy and laughs. Also, August 11th in New York City, we're back at Silo. That's right. Clear your calendars, folks. We're back. We're doing stand-up comedy. Uh, September 2nd at TVI in Ridgewood, Queens, me and Jamie Peck are doing a show called The Woke Mob that we came up with. It's going to be a really funny, like, live, weird leftist talk show, comedy show thing. And uh, TBA. TBA, probably a week after that date coming soon but also in september live minion death cult antifada pod damn america at i think it's gonna be Littlefield. that's right it's a hot live show fall folks and we also got the f- uh, debate august 23rd we're gonna be doing the republican debate this is great yeah. i love having bookings um i have to plug this here because ticket sales are uh relevant but uh my other show has a live show august fifth in new york city so if you are not seeing anders in chicago come to caveat bar lounge and grill where we are reading quarters that's a day after so you could do both you could do, if you could take a plane <laughs> you would have chicago. to leave the convention early because you do have to be a, a delegate <laughs> yeah, delegates in order can't to come you have important stuff to do but other than that that's it um quarters live show caveat okay folks rock and roll thanks for listening it is finished beware older hey. women